0: Well, it's now October, and yes, in an election year, you're always looking for an October surprise. Surprise! I think we already got it. Next on Principles and Policies. Welcome to today's edition of Principles and Policies. I'm your host, Barry Sheets, the Executive Director of the Institute for Principled Policy, and along with me today is our co-host, the Vice Chairman of the Institute, my fellow analyst and very good friend, Chuck Michaels. It's great to be back with
1: you again, Barry, here in my studio, Studio Office. Uh, name it
0: retreat cabin in the woods, whatever you want to call it. It's, um, it's
1: great here. This is a great place, by the way. I'm in a pole barn, and people think, "Oh, goodness." Well, no,
0: it's a very comfortable pole it's barn. It's a I'm very comfortable right pole now. barn.
1: <laughs> We're back in the back office, which is finished. It's got
0: carpeting <laughs> and walls and carpeting, drywall, and nice yeah. light, nice recessed lighting, and, and
1: uh, it's got a big French door in the front. My handyman helped me put in Bruce Purdy, and pray that Bruce gets better. Mm-hmm. Bruce is suffering from for a couple of things cancer, and he yes. had colon cancer and he had a heart disease. Yes. So he doesn't know if he's ever going to go back and be a handyman, and I pray that doesn't happen because he's a very good handyman. He's in Lancaster. So if you're looking for a handyman in, I don't know, six months or maybe a year, <laughs> I, I think he said
0: he's got, he just finished up his chemo, so he's got to go through some more things probably in about three to six months. So yeah. So probably after the first of the year. But then again, Chuck. If you're going to have a year to be off...
1: This was a good year to be off. This was probably the right year to to be off. But that being said, we come back here a lot. And sometimes in the afternoon, if I've had a rough day, I got a recliner in here. I just uh, turn on the TV, uh, put my feet up, and take a little 45-minute nap. And it's uh, it's quiet. Because the whole building is insulated, and I'm very isolated in here. And there's no windows except for that front. French door. Mm-hmm. It's quiet back here. Oh, I'm I've sure, had yes. people running lawnmowers and chainsaws, and I'm like, I, "What is that noise?" It's a chainsaw running in the back. Um, although I'm the one that usually runs the chainsaw. I did have some trees taken down here by a guy who who's a professional. But uh, that being said, um, it's a uh, certainly. I, I I got your thing with the surprise. I really don't think all the surprises have hit yet.
0: Oh, I know that they probably haven't, but I would say probably the biggest surprise, Chuck, right now has been the whole fact that I believe the entire plan that the Democrat Party had for trying to, shall we say, set the table for this last 35 days before the election kind of blew up in their face. Uh, thanks to... A sitting president who nobody is going to be accusing of of sounding and acting presidential (laughs) after this debate that happened on Tuesday night. Now, Charles, you and I were talking about this a little bit before we went on air. Depends on who you go and look at. You can go out and and to the pundits, and and they're still doing it uh, on the websites. Uh, Some of them are going to be saying that, you know, Biden did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, it depends on where you go. Trump did X, Y, and Z. Trump was bad because of A, B, and C, or Biden was horrible because of G, F, and K. It depends on where you go. But ultimately, Chuck, I think the big thing was it was obvious to pretty much everyone in the room and who watched it on TV who live-streamed it, who did whatever they needed to do with it, that, first of all, Trump didn't take the bait of acting presidential. Because that's what they were hoping for. That's what they were hoping for, for. that's for sure. That he would have to come in and be very reserved and very timid because, well, it's his to lose, right, Chuck? I mean, when you get right down to it, if you're a sitting incumbent president of the United States who's running for reelection, A, you have a record. B... You have an opponent who knows your record, and C, you have to defend that record or come up with reasons why that record isn't as, shall we say, bad as the opponent wants to make it out to be. Donald Trump had a couple other things going on with this, though. First and foremost, If anybody has paid any attention to Donald Trump in the last, say, six years, and I'm going to go all the way back to 2015, I'm going to go all the way back to 2015 for this, we've known that Donald Trump is a very tough negotiator. He understands the lay of the land, and he really is fairly good at knowing how to... Strike and counterpunch when it comes to wrestling with people over things that he wants to get done. He's got a pretty doggone good track record. Now people hate him for you know his tweets and how he shoots his mouth off, etc. He's crass. Uh, he, he's, he can't. But, he, yeah. oh, but you know what, Charles? That's been part of his, shall we say, charm, is that he's basically responding the way most average people probably in their gut if they if if they had the ability to respond would respond okay when he basically calls people idiots or says something or basically calls out somebody like he did tuesday night because the person he called out more than anybody else wasn't his opponent joe Biden, it was chris wallace from fox news who basically he said early on well i guess i'm debating you aren't i i did hear that yes yes yes.
1: (laughs) One thing we have to be clear about, Trump did exactly what a number of hardcore conservatives have been waiting for pe- someone to do after their, level whole lives, their yes. entire lives. And that is call out the press first of all. Yes. And I think that was a strategy. I think if Chris Wallace had come out and asked fair questions, but w- I forget what the question was where he said that, I guess. I guess I'm debating you too.
0: Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, Um, Wallace, who supposedly came into this debate saying that the best job he could do is if nobody knew he was there, i.e., being a moderator who's just keeping time and letting the two candidates have a debate, failed miserably in his task, if that's the case, because he basically started in, it was very obvious to just about everybody, and of course, my two boys are focused in, and my daughter is too, but she just wasn't into it last night. But my two boys were actually into watching the debate. And I asked them today, like, what'd you think? Both of them independently said it was plain that Joe Biden had been coached a handful of talking points and that was all he was going to talk about. That was all he was going to say. But Trump didn't let him get away with it. And when Trump came out swinging and attacking Biden, immediately cutting him off not letting him finish, you know, jamming in there, especially when Biden was saying things that were demonstrably false. False. Like the fact that he didn't support green energy, except for the fact when you go over to the Biden 2020 website, what's one of the first things you see on there is a big thing about his green energy plan. So the moderator, though, wasn't calling him out on any of this stuff. He was saying things that were demonstrably documented, sometimes with video, that he was completely lying about. Yeah. And the moderator just let him go ahead and do it. And if Donald Trump hadn't called him out on it and cried out BS a lot, people would get an entirely different view of of Joe Biden. Now, the one thing that I think some people did get a clear understanding of Joe Biden on, and I think, honestly, my gut on it is, Chuck, the key reason... Why Donald Trump decided not to become quote unquote presidential in the debate, but to become pugilistic was that he knew if he could get Biden off talking points, he could get Joe to show the real Joe Biden, which he did and but he did especially for one reason alone: there were at least five times during that debate last night where Joe Biden threw Bernie Sanders under the bus, yes. <laughs> And if you're going to destroy the Democrat coalition in order to keep them at each other's throats and thus make sure they can't coordinate to to throw or win an election, Donald Trump knew exactly which, which pressure point to hit. Absolutely knew exactly where to take the attack and did it. And Biden, he denied his green energy plan. He denied anything to do with his not supporting law enforcement. Everything that the Bernie coalition is demanding out of Biden that he promised them in order to basically mend fences and to say that he was going to put in his plan, he basically either ignored, denied, abrogated, or out and out jettisoned during the debate last night.
1: Well, okay. To show you how successful that, that strategy was. Everybody on the far left is demanding that the rest of the debates be canceled. Now, what are they citing? Uh, Donald Trump was mean, and Joe wasn't?
0: I was going to say, I I saw some of that. Um, Shut up, clown. Yeah, calling him a clown at least a couple times, telling him to shut up all the time. But, you know, okay, all right, so did Donald Trump strike first? Yeah. Did Joe Biden hit back? Yeah. Is that a reason to cancel the future debates? Heck no.
1: No. Art. OK,
0: let, folks let's just be quite honest with it. They're not at Oxford doing formal debating that, back and forth where, they, where they're all wearing their, their best press and: they're, and they're, That's
1: where I wanted to go, because yeah. the fact is that calling this a debate is a joke.
0: These are not debates.
1: And calling Chris Wallace a moderator, he was a host.
0: He was a host. And, and he was, was this, a partisan this was entertainment. host.
1: This was entertainment. This was not a debate. A debate is where you take a question, you have for and against. Exactly. And one side argues the for, one side argues the against. Usually it's point, counterpoint, rebuttal.
0: Exactly.
1: And the fact is, at the end of the debate, especially when you do like an Oxford debate, you tell who won by which door you exit from. Exactly. Exactly. You exit into the pub in the back, but you pick the door you're going to go through based on who you thought won the
0: debate. And the more, the the, the larger number of people going through that door, that's the person. That's who the, the person
1: who won the debate. Now, the fact is that they don't need to go into the pub in the back. And maybe they, they do. <laughs> maybe they do. After watching that last night, maybe everybody just needs to have a and sort of chill out. But the fact is that it's not a debate when one of the debate teams is also. Uh, debating the moderator or again the host because that's exactly what happened last night that sequence where trump was asked to hey well are you going to denounce all the violence from the militias and uh you white know, supremacists yeah and, and uh, like the proud boys and y- yada 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 and i'm like where is it They're not out burning down buildings. They're not out setting up tents and defecating in uh, planters in front of government buildings. But that's a problem, Chuck,
0: because it means that either the Democratic Party, the Biden campaign, or Fox News and Chris Wallace, or the Debate Council, which is a bunch of leftist media basically setting the terms for the debate, didn't bother to do any fact-checking. Are you you going to announce... Let me think. He just issued an executive order in the last few months declaring the KKK a terrorist organization. Exactly. <laughs> uh, okay, he also declared Antifa to be a terrorist organization and BLM, but you know what? They they don't like well,
1: that. So, Well, according to Joe Biden, uh, Antifa isn't a group, it's an idea. Yeah, and well, and I, what I, did Trump I, say to that? Well, he said don't a, don't baseball, a baseball bat to the head is not an idea.
0: It's not. It is not an idea. Okay. The movement was an idea. How you well, acted. Okay. Marx, it always is. Yeah. Marxism is an idea, Chuck. But we've had hundreds of millions of people who have died because of that idea. Because it's how you carry out ideas that matter. I can have all the ideas in my head I want to have. Depends on how I carry them out. Now, if I have an idea, that I'm God then I'm probably going to carry him out by getting rid of inferior people. That's what a psychopath does.
1: Okay, let, let's let's talk. Okay, because he cited the FBI Director Ray. Okay. And, and your own FBI director. Well, first of all, Ray should have been fired long ago. The only reason he's not fired is basically because Trump's Biden his time. Because Ray should have been fired. Mm-hmm. Uh, but in any case, the fact that ANIFA doesn't have a board of directors and a president or a, you know, comrade in chief or right. what, whatever in some office, someplace calling the shots over a national organization. That's not the way those organizations work. Folks, if you've ever heard of the, uh, uh, the resistance in France, they didn't have a central organization. No, they did not. They were set up and in, in the communist party in uh uh, while they were doing violence in the 20s and 30s here under stalinist direction uh yeah their instructions were coming from moscow but they weren't set up in a in a hierarchy they were set up in cells right in decentralized cells and seattle's a cell um uh, milwaukee's a cell portland's Portland's a cell cell. yes there are cells all in Chicago, there are cells in Los Angeles. There are cells in San Francisco. There, there are, cells are cells in Columbus. In Columbus, okay, exactly. In fact, that thing we saw where uh, you know the the Ohio Theater was uh, damaged and all that and stuff the state up and house down was painted and, and all that was stuff out. Yeah, up and down High Street, up in the short north. The poor, the poor people, some of whom were uh, people of color who had their own businesses and had much of it destroyed, fires and such. Uh, they were destroyed by people who were part of a cell. They weren't part of it. So let's not hear the idea that, that because they don't have a hierarchical uh, setup, they're not a group. They are a group. They
0: are a group. It's, it's absolutely. Anytime you get people together, it's a group. Um, yes. We're a group right here in this room, and we coming me. up with some crazy ideas sometimes. Well, basically,
1: these days <laughs> you and I are the Institute for Principled Policy. Well, yeah,
0: okay, more or less, yeah, okay. So, so we're a group. Hey, and we have been we've been labeled as being a an, an auxiliary to a hate group. I think is what it was. SPLC did something because we went to some event where we we get, went did a presentation. To ev- we did a presentation at some event that they didn't like, and so therefore, all of a sudden, we got on the hate list. Well, for a I while. think it's
1: because we went to one of Tom Deweese of yeah, the American Policy Center's. Uh, american policy centers group conferences yeah Yeah. and tom tom was very proud to announce that the sblc had labeled the 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 uh, little american policy center a hate group hate group
0: yeah (laughs) i guess anything that they disagree with is hateful so okay that's fine
1: i've been in in other groups who basically people like that come out and label you um we were in some medical freedom groups and we got labeled quacks and i'm like oh yeah i'm like uh i said we need to make a logo we need to take their logo and make a thing it says labeled by as a quack uh
0: we well, proud by,
1: to announce we've been we've been called a quack by quack watch yeah um who by the way was was uh, uh being run at the time this is the way what you find out it was being run at the time by a doctor who'd lost his license for malpractice Aha. Uh-huh. um and uh so who's the quack? It's the same thing with the Southern Poverty Law Center. Morris Dees ran it for decades and made it uh took it from a a thing that legitimately wanted to to expose uh racist activity um into a thing that it became a fundraiser so that anybody who didn't exactly fall into the tiny little niche that uh, Morris Dees and company had built for it suddenly became a hate group. Yep. And he used that to raise hundreds of millions of dollars and take a gigantic salary. And it got bad enough that his own board of directors removed him.
0: Well, they removed him less for taking millions of dollars and and turning the group into a a clown circus as they did for the fact that he basically sexually imposed himself on some of his junior staffers well yeah
1: volunteers and things that uh, yeah. came in and uh had to audition uh, in front but, of mr D.
0: But, but going back to ideas chuck if you got the idea you're god then everybody else is there to serve you uh, that's true right yeah welcome welcome to what happens with a lot of these groups now the the thing going back to the debates chuck because we we're going to talk about this for a little bit because folks if you missed it go back go to youtube go somewhere you can find it yeah go go download the stream go watch it trust me it's a 90 minute entertainment piece you'll lo- i don't care if you like trump you hate trump you love biden you can't stand biden you just you're you're sick of politics whatsoever i don't care where you are watch this it was probably one of the more entertaining pieces of television that you'll see this year um and it wasn't supposed to be because again the leftist media, and yes, I'm including Fox News as leftist media. When you've got Karl Rove, Donna Brazile, um, Paul Ryan, and a number of other leftists as part of your a- advisory team and your board and your analysts, you're not a conservative no. news outlet, okay? Let's just not kid ourselves Well, you're here. not
1: even a balanced news you're outlet. You're not even balanced. Where, okay, I, I don't mind if you if you uh, have that kind of a bo- uh, of an yeah. advisory panel if... You have someone to counter on the right, which the, Karl Rove cannot be. They, they claim that Karl Rove is a conservative. He's never been a conservative. He's never been a conservative. That's, all you got to do is Carl, look at the George Rove, W. Bush presidency. Karl Rove presidency. is a George
0: W. Bush conservative, and a lot of conservatives are realizing, now that you're seeing a true conservative in office with yes. Donald Trump, how much of a liberal George W. Bush really was and how... So much he his whole idea was to talk a good game, but keep the train running on the same track it was running on pointed in the same direction it had always been pointed in. Your problem here is Donald Trump is not playing conductor he 's playing engineer and he 's throwing switches to turn the tra- turn the train onto a different track and to slow it down um, and it's it's working. That's the reason why the media the left and the never Trumper Republicans are apoplectic about the idea of giving this man four more years in the nation's highest office. Well, because so far in three and a half years we've had a sea change in the way business is done in DC. We are actually seeing more constitutionally focused policies even with a Democrats controlling the house than we have in the last 40 years. We're also seeing whether you call it draining the swamp or whatever we're actually seeing someone being self-conscious about the fact that the bureaucracy is the problem not the American people.
1: There was a sequence last night that sort of pointed to the difference and the sequence was when he got at when when Biden tried to make the point you didn't send the National Guard to Seattle or to Portland. That's right. And he said, yeah, I didn't. You know why? Because they didn't want well Because
0: they told me they didn't want they it.
1: They told me they wouldn't take it. And Wallace yep. didn't want him to get that point out. Yeah, he's yeah, like, no, no, He's, can we, do you want to switch seats with me? And he goes, well, we can do that later if you'd like. But right now, I want to rebut that point. Exactly. Now, the, here is the difference between conservatism of the past and conservatism now. Right. Donald Trump is a true federalist.
0: Yes, he is.
1: It, ladies and gentlemen, if you don't know what federalism is, it's based on an understanding of the Ninth and Tenth Amendments, especially the Tenth. Absolutely. And that is essentially...
0: Okay, I got it right here. I can always yeah. carry my handy-dandy Constitution. Go. I've got
1: one here right on the desk someplace.
0: Okay, the Ninth Amendment. We'll start with that. So, you guys, this is we try to make these as educational as possible. There you go. So, the Ninth Amendment of the United States Constitution says... The enumeration in the Constitution of certain rights shall not be construed to deny or disparage others retained by the people.
1: In other words, the Constitution is a negative law document. Exactly. And we'll explain what that means. So, there,
0: so what, Okay, so let's explain, let's explain that little nugget out. What the Ninth Amendment means is, and when Chuck says negative law document, there's a fundamental difference between two philosophies of governing. One is by negative law, one is by positive law. The United States Constitution and the American founding were based upon negative law theory, which says that the limitations are upon the government, not upon the people. And that when the Constitution was written, it was to reassert there were fundamental rights that the people retained no matter what happened in government, and that's what was in the Constitution. Positive law is what you see in Soviet Union. Russia, communist dictatorships, etc., where the government gets to tell the people what rights they can and can't exercise and when and how, all sort of like wearing a mask in public. Yeah, that's I, you, a positive yeah. law statement.
1: Yeah, exactly. It where, goes where back the and points Where the government
0: tells you you have to wear a mask in public everywhere because I said so, that is not negative law. That is positive law. It is a basic form of a communist yes. structure of government. Negative law would say we have a pandemic. We have a disease that's out there. These are steps that you can take to, to be safe if you choose to take them i.e. six. Do social distancing, wear a mask, use hand sanitizer. Don't go into certain crowded places if you feel like you're susceptible to it. And then here are the the classes of people that are most susceptible to disease. 80 plus, you know, is the biggest thing.
1: Here's the way it would work. The way the emergency uh, law, uh, the... ...is ri- actually written for the Ohio governor to use. That is, he can quarantine sick people because they're a public danger.
0: Because because actively being sick is dangerous. Yes. Exactly.
1: And, and with a communicable and disease. It. And that's it. And he, can't, he cannot quarantine you and me.
0: But we've turned from negative... Think about it, Chuck. Uh-huh. Even when that law was written in the late 1800s originally, we were already moving away from negative law to positive law because yes. the switch happened in the U.S. government... Right around the 13th Amendment. Because if you look at it, the first 11 to 12 amendments of the Constitution are all based in negative law theory where it says Congress shall make no law. Congress shall not disparage or deny rights that are not that's enumerated right. in this that's Constitution. Right. That's our, that's Amendment 9. Tenth Amendment, which we are just now talking about, also says that the powers not delegated to the United States, i.e. the federal government, by the Constitution, so does that mean that there can be any delegation of power Anywhere else to the federal government than in the Constitution. That's it. There isn't any. Exactly. So if the Constitution doesn't say you can do it, federal government, then the 10th Amendment goes on and says, nor prohibited by it, that is the Constitution, to the states, and there are certain small classifications of things that the states can't do that the federal government only can do in the Constitution. Right. Are reserved to the states respectively or to the people. So the Tenth Amendment basically says there's a very small list of of spelled out, clear duties and responsibilities that the federal government has to the people of the United States. These are their jurisdiction. They have the right to exercise in these areas. Where do we find this? It's Article 1. There's a list of the things that Congress can do. Then it says and if the Constitution itself doesn't Prohibit a state from doing it, and there are certain small class categories, and they're very narrow, of things that the states can't do because the federal government has the reserved authority to do yeah, it. it has like to. naturalizing immigrants. That's right. A states state can't ca- do state that. States can't do that above the federal government. You know, coining money, states really can't do that. Even though it, it, that was a post Civil War thing too. But okay, but you know, because you, you got into that, there was private mintage well, all the way up through the country before I, the Constitution. I was going to say coining money is
1: a very specific term, term. it yes, means yes. it means turning gold and silver into coins, coins. it doesn't right. say issuing banknotes
0: no it does not exactly because no, the exactly. states
1: uh, very often banks would yeah. issue legal tender banknotes
0: yes they yeah, and, and they and they very well could and i have a few of those from banks my from my local, local banks in the yeah. 1800s because I've got a have got a coin dealer in in my backyard who's a buddy of mine and he gets his stuff all the time from various local banks where they actually issued banknotes on the bank yeah. of such and such, bank of Galpolis for me. Or like the Bank yeah. of Huntington, or the it, Bank of uh, you know Schenectady, New York, yeah, or whatever not, it might be.
1: Not to go too far afield, but the reason that banks failed all very often is they would overissue bank notes more than their gold reserve.
0: Exactly. People would so come go in fractional reserve, and they, people they killed them.
1: People would come in and demand. You know, there would be a panic, and people would come in and demand their gold. Well, they've got, they've got $100,000 worth of golden reserve, but they got $300,000 worth of notes out.
0: So they're, so they're, they're, they're behind the, the ball. Okay. Yeah. So, so as you see, negative law, basically in the ninth and the 10th Amendment, helps spell that out, unless it specifically granted authority to a governmental entity, i.e. the United States, that means that's the federal right. government, or to the states, which means the state governments, who has authority in this country under negative law? the people of the united states we retain all of our god-given rights unless there's a very very good reason to hand jurisdiction over to another entity whether it be the state or whether it be the federal government Right. positive law theory which actually took root in this country after the civil war
1: it was it was growing it was rapidly growing before, rapidly yeah. but
0: really with the with the advent of the Starting with the 13th Amendment. Okay, folks, if you read the rest of the amendments to the Constitution right now, the 27 that we have, from Amendment 12 to Amendment 27, or to, excuse me, to Amendment 26, they are all positive Positive law. law. Where it basically says, and, and I won't even read the amendment itself, but I'll just read the kicker piece of each amendment, that basically because if you look at them, the first few amendments just are one like paragraph, one sentence, bam, they say it it's done when you get into positive law, all of a sudden you have it broken into sections, yeah, section one is the heart of the amendment, and then section two says Congress shall have power to enforce the article by appropriate legislation. legislation which is a grant of almost unlimited
1: power. It is. Appropriate appropriate legislation, what does that mean?
0: It means whatever it Congress means decides. means whatever Congress
1: and the courts decide, it means. Is
0: appropriate, not the people, Congress and the courts. So yes. basically, we had a fundamental sea change post-Civil War when we started offering the Reconstruction Amendments and then kept going because, well, when government starts realizing that they can do things and the people won't object, they're going to keep doing them. Yeah. Um, problem is is that we've had three and a half years of an administration that looks at this document and says first ten amendments are the most important ones that's not right stuff
1: that's my point that I was uh, uh, thank you for finishing it up that way because that's my point. The reason that trump didn't didn't uh basically uh implement the insurrection act which would have allowed him to declare an insurrection and send in federal troops right. to quell it was because Trump is at heart a federalist.
0: Exactly. He believes in the now, negative law concepts that are in the Constitution, what people not don't, the positive law concepts. What
1: people don't know is, is that he did what he could do, and that is he sent in federal marshals to protect federal property in those places. Absolutely. And and that what became a big bone of contention when the uh, I, th- I believe it was in Portland when they tried to burn down the federal building. Might yes. have been in Seattle, I don't remember. I think it was Portland. Uh they tried to burn down a, a federal building and and the uh
0: federal marshal said, said
1: that's not happening and we yeah. will shoot you.
0: Yep. The only other place in the country where the president could send in troops and marshals and other places in order to quell anything happening was in the District of Columbia. DC. Which he did. Which he had to do. Why? Because DC is not a state. It's not a separate sovereign jurisdiction. It is a creature of the Constitution. It is an area that has been marked aside out of three states. Two. Two. Excuse me. Two states. That's right. Two states. As a set aside for a reserve for the federal government
1: now interestingly enough one of those states took back their session uh, the only session that's still active in Washington DC if you if you look at Washington DC the original plan was a square right it's set on its it's set on its point in so it corner, looks like a yeah, diamond. diamond yeah but it, it it was a square if you look at it now it's more of a it looks, it's a it's a square with the the, the uh, Potomac River sort of cutting it and the rest of it which is now alexandria virginia Virginia. um went back to virginia in the 1840s
0: i don't remember exactly 1830 that 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 used to be
1: part of washington dc that was that was in the district and uh, i think virginia basically uh there was some growing tension there and uh, Virginia said that eh, we want ours back. Now that, that actually would have pained George Washington because some of that land that got, that got ceded, he got paid for because he owned it in Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, one of his, one of the big compromises was how we got DC as the capital. And, uh, I, I'll be quite honest. If you think George Washington is as pure as the driven snow, there was kind of some sweetheart deals and he got a lot of money for the land that he, that ended up going over to Washington DC. That's right. But it came back to Virginia. Um and uh um, um th- th- it's an interesting bit of politics. But that being said, that is completely under federal jurisdiction. People that live inside the district uh granted do not uh, they always say uh we don't have representation. Well, of course you do. You have you have 435 congressmen and and 100 senators. Uh they do have a seat. It's not a voting seat. They have the uh, Eleanor uh, Holmes Norton. Oh my gosh. Who's the delegate from DC to Congress? Um
0: Now, under Joe Biden and the Democrats, one of their game plans is to make both DC and I believe it's Puerto Rico states. Puerto Rico
1: if they want to come into the union, uh for years they've they've st- said no to that. Why? Cuz they're getting federal benefits without paying federal taxes. That's right um and uh um do they want to come into the union they probably do it 'll be another liberal state and they 'll get uh at least three uh two congressional seats uh or one congressional seat two two senate seats and uh right. that means three electoral votes um but the fact is that i the 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 compromise for the presidential election thing because d c now has its own electors that ought to be wiped out i forget what amendment that is twenty fourth or twenty fifth
0: think it's twenty or if I remember, um,
1: but DC now has three electoral votes. That shouldn't be. The fact is that DC's uh, presidential votes should be counted as part of Maryland, as if they had a congressional seat. And right now, you got one congressman for what, 785,000 people, which would give DC one congressman.
0: Right. Uh okay, so basically it's the 23rd amendment. Excuse 23rd. So I was close. 23rd amendment. I just had to flip it over there and double check it there. So, yeah, number of electors of president and vice president equal to the whole number of senators and representatives of Congress which the district would be entitled if it were a state. That's what yeah. th- But again, 23rd amendment is what, Chuck? It's positive, it's positive law. law.
1: The fact is that Maryland's uh, that that uh, DC's vote should be counted as part of Maryland's um Right. It Maryland's should be part of Maryland's count. Yeah. Um because again, the Virginia part count in Virginia uh, because they gave it back. That's right. Um, so that being said, but Trump is a true Federalist. Yes, he he wants the states to fix these problems on their own with as much help as they ask him for within the bounds of the Constitution. And the fact is that Portland, uh, Chicago, Seattle, Los Angeles, um, none of these places ask for federal help. Now, I think Kenosha did. Yes, they did. Now, what they didn't do, the first thing I said when, when this started going on in Kenosha is I'm like, gee, would Scott Walker have let this go on without intervening? Good question. I don't think so. Probably not. They threw Scott Walker out because for the same reason they threw Matt Bevin out in Kentucky, which is suffering from the same problem. They've got a communist mayor in Louisville uh-huh. uh, who, by the way, has is ending his own political career. He, he, he is not, going to stand for election again and uh, they have a governor who is an extreme leftist and they tossed out met bevin in kentucky why not because they disagreed with his attempts to dismantle um go- uh, over government control they they threw him out because he opposed teachers, teachers unions. unions yeah he touched the third rail and the teachers unions came out and organized against him and told people that that he was about to send them all back to one room schoolhouses and blah bloddy blah blah, 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 sure. blah which was a complete he, lie he might
0: have to force people to educate their own children
1: yeah, which by the way, it's good to see that a lot of this nonsense, people are starting to get wakened up about this. And there are also a lot of teachers who are getting wakened up are, about are it.
0: Are you saying that these people are woke now, Chuck?
1: They're, no, they're awake. They're not, <laughs> they're woke. awake.
0: They're not woke. That's right. Thank they're you.
1: They're awake. <laughs> they are conscious, not woke, which is in form of unconsciousness. But what I'm saying is all of a sudden the interest is back on for homeschooling. Absolutely. Because people are finding out it's not as tough as I thought.
0: It really isn't. No. Folks, I mean... Those of us who did it... Okay, first of all, if you think that you have to provide the exact same model that the public system is providing... Give it up. That's not homeschooling. That's parroting the public schools. Homeschooling is every day you make sure your children gain a little bit more knowledge and a little bit more understanding and a little bit more talent in order to face the world that they're going to be facing when they're an adult because up until the time they're adult you're supposed to be there to protect them does that mean that you have to have a phd in calculus or physics or nuclear medicine in order to teach your own child absolutely not as a matter of fact i and this is one of the areas where i kind of have a little trouble with ohio law um not that it matters to me because i i meet the criteria But they basically say that in order for you to be able to homeschool your own children, at least one person or a third party has to have a college degree, which I think is garbage. It's it's because I know an awful lot of awful lot of people who've never been to college. You have more common sense than some people who have got master's degrees. I would rather have matter of fact, I would rather have the guy who's working as a welder or mechanic and his wife as a homemaker raising and teaching their own kids from books that they get rather than turn them over to people who have master's degrees or doctorate degrees who believe that those children are basically there to be indoctrinated into whatever the government says is the right thing to educate them on.
1: Hey, listen, there are people that are journeymen and masters in a trade that are every bit as smart as the quote-unquote smart guys who went to college and got degrees, MBAs. Okay, well, Give I'll, me t- a break. I'll
0: tell you what. If, if things do go to heck in a handbasket, and we end up in a situation where you've got martial law or we've got a civil war, whatever that some of the people are decrying might happen in the near future because, well, the left wants to push that meme to scare everybody. I'm going to go looking for the guys who are the auto mechanics, who are the welders, who are the the guys who are digging ditches, the contractors. I want the guys who know what to do without an electronic device in front of them. Yeah. Or are not sitting there just spouting philosophy all the time, but are actually doing something because those are the people who are going to be best prepared to handle things when things go. Let's just, let's say we have an EMP, a sunspot, whatever it might be. A yeah. uh, tornado, you know, a tidal wave tornado. Do Are we going to need engineers to build things? Sure, why not? But are we going to need people with master's degrees in fine art or in Uh, uh, educational pedagogy
1: no no not
0: really i don't believe they would be considered essential employees Uh, you know we had a test run on this already about we know now who government considers to be essential abortionists yep abortionists and and everybody else who frankly has big big deep pockets in order to pay the politicians uh campaign funds so that they can be deemed essential who's not essential everybody else
1: yeah, yeah, basically.
0: Well, Chuck, be honest with you. If you really want to flip that on its ear and go 180 degrees, that really kind of probably shows you who really is essential and who isn't.
1: Well, here, okay? here to show you my my uh, sort of local localism rather than federalism. I didn't ask. We just stayed open.
0: There you go. Absolutely. I never. I, I never, never looked down. at a list. I never. Am I down.
1: essential? I don't care if I'm essential. I, as far as I'm concerned, I'm essential. Okay. We're open.
0: Okay, Chuck. The answer to that question is, are you essential? Heck yes, you are essential to somebody.
1: Well, considering the fact that our business might be down by 10% for the year, somebody thought I was essential.
0: Listen, every business is essential to somebody, whether it's the employees who work there and who draw a paycheck to provide food and shelter for their families, whether it's the owners who are trying to be successful and create a legacy and provide for their own families, or whether it's the people who count on the product or the service that those companies and individuals are providing in order to be able to make sure that they are able to conduct their life in the manner in which they see fit and is essential to them thriving and surviving. That's the problem with a planned economy, Chuck. That's the problem with socialism. That's the problem with the Bernie bros and the Joe Biden-Kamala Harris game plan for the rest of this country.
1: You mean for the Harris administration? The Harris-Biden
0: administration, yeah, exactly. That's the key problem. And that's the reason why the central planner types, that's the never-Trumper Republicans who are establishment flunkies, Cannot stand what Trump is doing because you're right. He's not just a federalist, Chuck. He's a localist too.
1: Yes, that's exactly right. He's
0: a localist too because what is he trying to do? I'm going to even the playing field. I'm going to get try to get rid of illegal immigration. I'm going to get try to get rid of this, all this stuff that's called co- that's putting outside pressure. I'm reducing regulation on business. I am trying to get the dollar strengthened so that we have a better trade deals and I'm renegotiating trade deals with everybody. I am creating stability and peace in the Middle East. Oh my God! Trump just got nominated for his third, third. Nobel Prize. Now, by the way, folks, none of which he'll win because no, the Nobel Committee's a bunch of socialist well, leftists. He knows that because he said something. It'd be nice
1: if I'd go if I if if I could win, which I won't do if unless they hand it out fairly. Which yeah, they exactly
0: won't. if they don't if they hand it out fairly, um, he'd win. Well, all Biden, three of them.
1: Biden got nominated too, but it uh, for being now. Get this: this is the. <laughs> for being a calming influence on american politics
0: this is the same guy who on tuesday night was yes. calling the president of the united states a clown well it was
1: it was a okay. british politician who uh, uh, uh on the on the la- from labor
0: oh, okay. who nominated well, him but look i
1: could nominate you or I could, I could talk somebody into nominating you.
0: you there are, if the Nobel Prize was still actually made of gold, I would say please go ahead and do that. I'd like to have one of those, <laughs> by the way.
1: Uh, yeah, Alfred Nobel would be... Uh, it's, it's unfortunate that he cannot be hooked to a generator in his crypt to uh, use as because a... Because he's spinning like a top He's right spinning now. like a top, baby.
0: Well, he was spinning like a top when they gave the Nobel Prize to Barack Obama. For? for who had
1: been in office for a month and had done essentially nothing. nothing. Um, and then became uh, showed himself to be essentially a warmonger. A
0: warmonger who basically was well, foam was fomenting okay. evil across the planet. That brings up brother. an
1: important point because it, when you say United States Chamber of Commerce, what party do you normally think of?
0: Oh, they think about Republicans because that's the, usually the chamber's business oriented and business uh well, and some people mistakenly think that the chamber is business-oriented to the point of getting government out of the way of business. Which they is mis- not they completely They completely misunderstand that. The chamber of commerce is oriented toward business and figuring out how to get government to destroy their competition so that they can have hegemony in yes, they want
1: Yes, they want a crony capitalism. Yes. The, the U.S. Chamber of Commerce is a crony capitalism group.
0: Now, I can hear uh, people moaning and going, my local chamber's not like that. Well, folks, your local chamber is just a social club, okay? Yeah. They're not doing anything for No, you. the local chamber... And, the, and it, the national chamber is the ones who are basically handing this country over to the socialists because they've decided public-private partnerships and using the power of government to hurt their competition locally and that competition is small business chuck you and i both know you, that. they
1: want to destroy small business to the point where they can and still survive because they know i'm not a fan of the chamber oh no the chamber of commerce what just happened with the chamber of commerce though
0: um they've gotten egg all over their faces because they went and endorsed in 23 swing races democrats the Republican conference and Kevin McCarthy in the House basically has di- disowned them and di- and denied them, and their chief political director, who historically was Republican, More Republican, yeah, quit, because he's like, this is not this is ridiculous. You guys are idiots. Because what happened? One of their twenty three endorsed candidates just introduced an amendment on a bill that they're opposing. <laughs> really? I mean, folks.
1: Yeah. This okay.
0: They're almost as bad as a high right to life. Okay. Who who are who are endorsing candidates who vote against uh, pro life bills?
1: Think about this. Why why did the chamber come out against Trump? Trump is against illegal immigration for cheap labor. Right. right. Trump is against uh, moving things like uh, pharmaceutical production to foreign countries, mostly China. Right. For the purposes of having cheap product made right. in cheap factories that very often adulterate product
0: and if we didn't if we and if we stopped doing that we'd find out that the product could be made here cheaply too once we got rid of all the regulatory bur oh wait a minute he's doing that too yes getting rid of all the regulatory burdens that makes manufacturing and distribution within this country so onerously expensive now wonder where all this regulations well, came from oh A lot of them came from the support of the Chamber Chamber of Commerce wanting to create a situation where they could maximize their profits while destroying their smaller competitors.
1: Well, in the case of pharmaceuticals, to be subsidized to move to a foreign country.
0: Exactly.
1: And that, if you doubt that happened, then you weren't paying attention during the Bush years. Because, it and the Obama Biden years, left. because Joe Biden was big part of making sure that American businesses sent jobs overseas. Absolutely. And now he's running on, he's supposedly running on a, I watched an ad the other day. We'll, we'll, we'll bring manufacturing back to the United States. Not with you, not with oh, your track oh, no, no, record. No, no, no. Bud. You see,
0: see, that's, that's a game plan. Oh, we'll bring it back to the United States trying to say that it's not back, but the problem is is Trump's already bringing it back. So if Biden's going to try to ride on those coattails to say, well, we'll make better, but then when he gets in office, well, we can't, we can't seem to quite get it to work, so we're going to go the other direction.
1: Exactly. One, I'm going to put it in in blunt terms. The Chamber of Commerce resents the fact that that Donald Trump wants to cut off Most
0: their their access to, their
1: yeah. access to slave labor.
0: You got a good point there.
1: I mean, Absolutely. there's just no way around that. They want to be able to basically go in and have China's fascist slave labor system. And it is fascist, folks. They yeah. gave up communism a long time ago because they they suddenly realized it didn't work. And they actually, I think they took the model from the Vietnamese who basically said, communism isn't working. It's a f- abject failure. So they, went, they flipped over to a fascist mm-hmm. model, which is, y- you may well, no, fascist is conservative. No, it isn't. Of course not. It has. It's an economic system yes, it wherein is. basically people are allowed to own the factories.
0: You're allowed to own the means of production, but you're not allowed to own the
1: the labor, labor the capital, capital,
0: or the profits or of the, the production.
1: Uh, you are allowed a, a big hunk of the profit, but you have to give a lot of it you back have to, to the give state. Lot of it, exactly. Um, that's the whole point. People have gotten rich in China on the system Uh, and which is why they were becoming an economic powerhouse. But the fact is that it doesn't work like here. Uh, I was talking to somebody not too long ago and we were talking about, um, the difference between England after the war and, uh, world war two and us after world war two, because somebody was touting the wonders of socialism. And I said, okay,
0: how wonderful it is. How
1: long did it take England to recover from the war?
0: They're still recovering.
1: Uh, Strictly speaking, they were more or less out of it by the mid-50s. Ten Mm. years, but they didn't fully recover until Maggie Thatcher. Right. Late 1970s. Who who the leftists all hated. They hated her. But the fact is, they adopted her business models, and voila. Uh, uh, England is still a European economic powerhouse. If it wasn't for England and Germany... There would be no EU, and the fact is now that Germany has to bear the brunt by themselves, which is why they raise such a stink
0: about, about Britain, England Britain leaving, leaving yes. and
1: why the Brits raised such a stink about why we want to leave. We're sick of having our pockets
0: picked. Well, welcome welcome to socialism.
1: But that is exactly... And Maggie
0: Thatcher told him that.
1: that socialism works well until you run out of other people's money. And that's the system that George W. Bush tried to saddle us with, with... Uh, the whole um NAFTA,
0: folks. It's true. Okay, I I can I can hear people gritting their teeth out there and listening, Land Chuck. How dare we talk bad about George W. Bush? He was a Christian man. Okay, folks, I don't care about he, he wasn't exercising his faith in in his politics. Okay, what he was exercising was his slavish devotion to the establishment socialism that we've all basically sat in the pot and let them warm us up to. If you believe that Social Security should be sacrosanct, if you believe that Medicare and Medicaid ought to be a continuing entitlement, you're a socialist. Because those are socialist plans. Now, you're going to hate me for saying this, but by golly, somebody's got to say it and start saying it loud that we need, if we're going to actually act like we are a constitutional Republican form of government that is a free country, then we're going to have to start letting go of the trappings of the socialist chains that we've got around us right now. Does that mean we shut it all down immediately? No, no. No. That means that we decide that we have a cutoff point and that that cutoff point means that a generation is going to have to determine. And honestly, if you haven't already determined it for our generation, Chuck, you're living in dreamland. (laughs) There will not be a... A social safety net for us, folks. Listen, okay? my, it's my not wife there. I... So get prepared to fix it yourself. Get prepared to meet your own health care needs. To meet your own retirement. Okay. Yeah. From me, from my perspective, Chuck. Anytime I hear somebody talking, who retirement a isn't talking biblical. Talking about retirement, yeah. I want to like, I want to like throw up because. There is no such thing in the scriptures. No. You, retirement is not a concept that is biblical. It is a concept that is socialist.
1: Yes. You do something, but the fact is that I've been using an example for years, and I keep telling people, oh, you want to end Social Security and Medicaid. And I'm like, I do. Yes. But I also understand that you can't unbuild a dam in the day.
0: Exactly.
1: You can't unbuild a dam in the day because... Well, you can. Yeah, you can use
0: explosives you to can blow do it that, up, but it's going to create an awful lot of damage down What downfield. it does is
1: it, it creates havoc downstream. In which you don't want. In which you don't want. Um, what you want to do is have people go go to a system where... yeah, I acknowledge the fact that if you're doing heavy construction-type work and you're in your mid-60s... You're kind of used up on that. There's you, other you can th- be, There's yes.
0: other things you can do. Well, and we have all kinds of, quote-unquote, job retraining programs. It's just a question of, do you want to put yourself, do you want to have the discipline and the focus to say, yeah. it's my responsibility to provide for myself in my old age? Now, Chuck, for me, hey, folks, I'm, I'm being transparent here. I won't get Social Security. I am a sole member ownership business. I don't pay into Social Security. I will not get any back. That's fine with me because I'm not looking for it to be my backup. My my wife and I
1: looked at what we were going to get. uh, I'm not going to get Medicare and
0: Medicaid. Okay? It's not happening. I use Samaritan Ministries, a a Christian healthcare cost-sharing program, to deal with the larger medical bills that I have and... To work through that, but when it comes to the smaller stuff, like going to the doctor for regular checkups and things, I pay for those out of pocket. I budget. You figure it yeah. out. You you do things like you don't do high-stress stuff. You don't eat bad foods. You try to moderately exercise as, as best you can. You don't smoke. You don't drink the excess, and you don't take uh, recreational pharmaceuticals. You pretty much can stay somewhat healthy doing that for
1: for decades. For decades, yeah, you can. Um, you know, I don't. I don't want to overemphasize. If you want to retire, retire.
0: Oh, please, but, yeah, just, and, and you did and you
1: did pay consent. into the system. But if you paid in the system, thinking that you were going to get, you were going to have this uh, nest egg, you're not. Uh, my wife and I just looked at the numbers, and when we were young. When we were in our teens and twenties, they told us pay into the system, pay into the system, pay into the system. You'll be able to retire at sixty-five and early at sixty-two. Yeah, right. Now early is sixty-five and, and regular real- retirement is seventy.
0: Seventy, that's right.
1: Now I have a feeling in the next five years, maybe seventy-five is going or seventy is going to become seventy-two, and early retirement is going to become sixty-seven or sixty-eight. Yeah. Yeah, sixty-seven or sixty-eight. So, what does that mean? Social Security is out of money now. It has been for a while, and has been because they, it goes into the general pot. Now, what do I mean by that? I, what I mean is, if they had taken that money with your employer's contribution, and whether you know it or not, your employer pays half your Social Security. Yes, they do. You squawk about it when you see it on your check. You're believe me, your employer squawks about it if there are ten of you in the in the shop. And he's got to pay 10 people's well, see, Social Security. And, and,
0: and folks, if you've ever run a business and you hired employees, that's the reason why when you offer somebody a salary, you have to, it basically it used to be that your calculation was 1.8 times that salary would be your complete out-of-pocket for that employee because that included the taxes, that included the retirement, that included the Social Security, the employer's share of the medical. Yeah. Uh, if it, it included all that. So if you've ever if you've never run a business, then don't talk to me about yeah, that's how right. how somebody else that's owes right. you.
1: If they if they had taken that uh what amounts to, oh gosh, uh maybe you're nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fifteen thousand dollars a year that you're putting into social security and they put that into a in an IRA and forced you and say you can't take it out until you're such and such an age. And after, and if you do, it's a giant penalty right. and blah, 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 like they do right? now with an IRA. You'd have millions of dollars to retire on. Oh, absolutely. Because, millions. Because it's being
0: invested and it's being used in order to That's right. help bolster other projects like building more businesses and hiring more people and, and creating more economic goods and creating wealth. See, Chuck? That's the deal. The vast majority of people don't ever create wealth. They get a paycheck, and then they, and then when they get to a point where they feel like it's they've they've served their time, they expect that paycheck to keep coming in the form of the government giving them that paycheck. Right, right, folks. That is no way to live. Okay, the way to live is to be entrepreneurial, create wealth, create your own nest eggs look for ways to invest your money look for ways in order to be successful now if you can't do that for some reason or you choose not to do that that's fine but don't be out there saying well you gotta protect social security medicare medicaid because I want it because you're not the one who's ultimately paying into it
1: it's like the old uh, uh, not too long ago as a business owner I'm required to pay into a bureau of workers comp um they keep telling me I could be exempt because I'm a sole proprietor and blah, blah. And I keep trying to figure out how to do it. And it's like, well, I, you call people. Some say, yes, you can't do that. Others say, no. So, bag it. I pay it. Yeah. All right. Uh, we had a director who basically said, no, we need to give some of this money back. We got a surplus. Uh, what happened? The unions came out and said, no, you can't give that back. That's our money.
0: Our money. Yeah, exactly. It's,
1: it's not your money.
0: No, it's, it never was.
1: And it never was. It's your money if you injure yourself.
0: If it, okay it is an it is a, a a group insurance program. It's a group insurance plan. Just like any other. So like if I if I get in a car wreck and I go to my insurer and they say well we're only going to pay so much, I can't say well you must pay me whatever number I want. It doesn't work that no, way. No, it doesn't work that way. You know, it because um, it's based upon actuarial tables well, and the whole nine yards.
1: With the one minute we got left. Tie it back to tie okay, it back well, to what we started with. Tie
0: it back to what we started with. If you thought Joe Biden did a great job at the uh at the debates, then you probably fit right into the socialist mold he's going to be putting into this place in this country. If you're tired of it and you want to get rid of the swamp and you want to get rid of the establishment garbage and you want to actually have freedom You got to go with someone who's a federalist and a localist and who's basically saying, you know what? We need to empower people to take care of themselves.
1: Yep. Economic nationalism is the name of the game and it's, it is, it's playing out well and it was playing out very well until the whole COVID mess came in and, and uh, we'll talk about that some other time.
0: I'll just say, I think the COVID mess helped illuminate how much we need
1: it. Exactly. Uh, uh, that being said, you know what we think. We want to know what you think, www.principledpolicy.com. That's principledpolicy.com. And join us again next week for another Principles and Policies.